welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Dave Clark, founder and creative director for Sinister Fish Games, publishers of the recent hits, Villagers, Streets, and Moon. Their newest game, Wizards & Co., is currently on Kickstarter. Dave, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Hi, James. Nice to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for coming on, man. You've uh, been responsible for some pretty uh, popular titles. Uh, some of the ones I just mentioned, man, uh, I don't know if you guys just have amazing marketing or <laughs> just the groundswell around these games was so good, but uh, Moon would be the one that comes to mind. That was everywhere uh, this past mm -hmm. fall, so congrats on on that. Um, Thanks. Now, you've been in the industry for quite a while, and I was reading your earlier bio about, you know, being part of the LARP groups and, you know, D&D. &D. Yeah. Like, how long have you been gaming? Like, how long does this go back? Um, so I, I got into it. My my aunt, my favorite aunt, um, got me into D&D &D when I was about eight. Nice. Um, and I and I sort of, this is one summer holiday, it's a glorious summer holiday, where I would, I would, every summer I would go down and stay with them for a few weeks um and yeah so after that i was just i was just hooked so i, I was i got basic D D and made everybody at school play it and and that was it i, I was just I, I fell hard you know um and i think when i was about 14 we started a larp club at school because nobody had a you know we, we were aware of all this stuff happening that we wanted to be doing but we're 14 no one can drive that it was all miles away from where we lived so you know uh do it yourself has always been my motto so that's what we did Oh, um, sweet. Yeah. And was it just D&D &D or did you play other kind of board games or like how did that kind yeah, of... Yeah, so, so uh, like, you know, we, we were all broke. So everything was done done with, you know, kind of pocket money. Nobody had just huge disposable income to be buying loads of stuff. So, yeah, you would really like get your money's worth out of whatever you had. So, we, you know, we had like basic and expert D&D &D, um, and other kids at school had like uh, Rollmaster and RuneQuest and middle earth role-playing stuff like this call of cthulhu of course um so that you know that was what i was into for and still am um from from eight years old um yeah and i've just kind of brought it with me and it's it's, it's come and gone over the years where you know you kind of move move house and you don't know the people so you kind of you, you can't play for a bit uh but the, you know it finds a way uh, <laughs> geekiness finds a way right <laughs> that's true it, so what was the the first game that uh that you guys ever published what was the first one that you ever published so the first one i ever published like i, I never intended to be a publisher it, it was it, it literally was purely by accident and it was after i had um sort of all the lapping and the, and the role-playing stuff had kind of wound down um but i was still like kind of looking for ways to to play games and i became that was when i became aware of this kind of you know this new golden age of of board games that we're in i think this was around about 2014 yeah i backed my, I backed my first kickstarter 2015 which is the uh, the monolith conan game because i'm a big conan fan um and so it can it's always kind of been my nature to try and try my hand at the things that i enjoy um and if i get lucky maybe i'll make a living out of it for a while and, and so i thought you know I'm, I'll, I'll try and learn how to use this kickstarter thing and and, and we'll write a game because like the, the group of friends 
that the, the, the kind of core group that we were doing LARP and RPGs with, you know, what, one of the things that we always enjoyed doing was just sitting around writing stuff, you know, writing rules for the, for the LARP system or coming up with adventures and scenarios and stuff for that. And so yeah. like, well, let's, let's do, let's do the same thing in another area. And kind of, I, I came up with a rough idea for this game called Great Scots. Um, we kind of batted that around for a year or so, um, ended up not, not changing it at all and going back to the original idea and it you know it kind of scraped through and we, we just about funded didn't didn't make any money um and i figured you know, you know i'll i'll do this not like once a year once every 18 months or something and started working on another game um kind of in the back of my mind knowing that uh, it's, it's it's just i'm i'm so slow at designing games like this is never going to be a, a living for me sure designing games because it just takes me so long um and I had um, at the time I was working at like a print printers and sign making place where we worked with like printing on vinyl and we had cutting machines so we could make custom vinyl stickers and stuff. And I had just received a copy of, from the first Kickstarter uh, for Gloomhaven. Um, and like I was broke at this point. I had, I had spent far too long like immersing myself in the, in the tabletop industry and figuring out how to get this first game published. Um, I, I'd, ne I'd neglected my, my other work, I was my web design stuff, and I was, I was kind of on my seat in my pants kind of financially. Um, so I had to go and get a, a job, and it was this print job, print place, mm. um, using my graphic design chops, such as they are. And this is so Gloomhaven lands. I'd scraped the money together, the $70 that, that Gloomhaven was first time around. Um, and I'm like, we said, they, they, we've got all these stickers and you have to stick the stickers to the board and the cards. Like I spent my last $70 on this. Like, I'm not going to rack it with stickers. I'll print some at work on this on removable vinyl. Cause we have, we have this special vinyl that you can, you can take off and it doesn't leave any glue behind. Right. Yeah. Um, cause they had Zephyr had released a bunch of the files to the community so that people could make kind of, you know, make their own content and stuff. So. The, the, the files for the stickers were right there so all i had to do basically was rearrange it a little bit press press print at work and cut them out and stuff and i, I told a couple of people about it on one of the one of the board game forums on facebook um one of the groups saying you know i've got a couple of these left over does anybody want one obviously i can't sell them and someone that i know said dude like ask isaac see if you can license them as like oh yeah <laughs> um and like, it was literally like an email and, and a zoom call with isaac and we and it was on like we we were doing like an officially licensed sticker pack just in time for the second kickstarter um and i, I did it kind of in conjunction with with the guy that i was working for i said look i need to kind of have a lot of time on the printer and he's like yeah. you know if you're if you're bringing in orders and, and, and stuff yeah fine so so we ran that printer solidly for about two months Wow. Uh, printing very, very little else um and and cutting all the sheets out ourselves and, and packaging them up and i think we did about our first thousand sticker sets like that and the orders didn't stop coming so i was like okay we'll go i'll go to the, the manufacturer that i had used for for great scott and i kind of wouldn't have got that gig with, with isaac i don't think isaac would have said yes had i not had that little bit of experience and knowing how kickstarter works and yeah you know dip, dipping my toes in with it and, and having like a shred of credibility um but yeah so so on, on the back of those stickers i was able to quit that job and and start doing this full-time and you just did the start and full-time now into the game industry wow yeah yeah and that was that was 20 i want to say 2016 17 i think i quit in 2017 
And then you're then the game after that, I believe, was was a villagers came after that one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd been talking to to Hawken, the, the designer of villagers. I think I'd seen him posting about it on BGG, and uh, he he does his own artwork, right? And it's I I just really really like this kind of quirky artwork that he does. And like you know, do do you need any help publishing it? And he's like, oh, no, I think I'm gonna do it myself, you know. But you know, stay in touch, kind of thing. So we did, and you know sort of talk back and forth about the game as he was developing it and I, I took it I took a, an early version of it to a convention and, and played it with a few people there and gave him some feedback and stuff um, and then he had he had a kid and kind of decided that he wasn't going to have the time to, to finish the game and all the artwork and publish it himself so he's like Let, let's do it you know let's let's partner up um, and we did and the so the kickstart for that was was sort of ridiculously beyond our expectations yeah um, wasn't it something like was it three hundred fifty thousand pounds or like it was, it was yeah, quite large. yeah um yes yeah, something like that three yeah 300 and something but it but what happened with it was it started off well really strong but it got it sped it sped up accelerated so normally you see the the, the curve of the kickstarter is a yeah, classic kind of u-shape yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I was was that for the first week but then it kind of picked up and accelerated it was it was sort of it was unbelievable really was there anything specific you guys did that did we were so there were there were two things i think contributed to that like just for whatever reason that there was a bit of buzz about the game before it went on kickstarter i think i think yeah and we, we it was around um i think yeah we were at uk games expo while the kickstarter was live um and i think it was like for for whatever reason it was the the most anticipated game there's a list that someone was doing of you know what are the hot games at, at uk game sure. expo this year and i think we, it, we were like the, the most anticipated game or, or the second most it was the same year that the uh i can't remember what it was the, the other one that we were sort of vying with yeah but so our stall was absolutely rammed the whole time of, of people wanting to demo the game and they were people were demoing it and then backing it in front of us on their phones and stuff um yeah it was it was absolutely crazy and and right the other thing we did was we spent a lot of money on um, facebook ads yeah and, and they, they they absolutely performed like we so we were using backer kit as our pledge manager and one of the services that backer kits offer is that they will they will run your ads for you right so that you know they know what they're doing with, with, with placements and audiences and all this kind of stuff yeah um and and i had like the the head of their um advertising division like calling me up and saying like what are you doing like you know, your return on investment is like seven times or something, um, and they, they were saying like this is sort of you know this is a one in a thousand occurrence, like the, how well the, the ads are performing. Yeah, and I, I, you know I, I don't know what we did. It, it was just right place, right time. I think um, the the and if I take like because I think you guys use backer kit for Moon as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I've used them for everything since Villages. Yeah, and so the artwork for those three games has got this kind of minimalistic kind of apple kind of vibe to it kind of like almost like isle of cats same thing they've got that kind of minimalistic kind of yeah. approach to their design which like the photography works very well with that kind of design right mm -hmm. um and so i i remember seeing the ad especially for moon um they're just visually appealing at like the like the visuals are just so appealing right so any kind of time you see the ad saying hey you know on kickstarter back now and you have like an image of the box and the box artwork looks great. And then some of the, the cars and game components in front of the box on like mm -hmm. 
whatever uh, Stark background, I mean, it just pops, right? And it's in your in your yeah. newsfeed and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I think that you guys didn't. Clearly, the ads is important, and I, I think anybody will tell you that. That I mean, if you're not advertising going into your campaign, I mean, you you can you can do a good campaign, but I mean, it really it really helps to advertise, right? That's really going to help you get to the next level. But yeah. having the visuals uh, is, I mean, that takes it to another level. And uh, and certainly, I would say your your design, like the design aesthetic you have across your games, is very good. Yeah, so so that that series of games that sold down to to Hook and the designer and illustrator. Yeah, um, you know, it's certainly not uh, any any magic that I'm adding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still, the publisher, right? So you still are part of the, the benefit of that. So, um, of course. And so, so you did Villagers, and I think it was uh, Streets next. Correct. Yeah. And then Villagers Second Edition. So it was um, uh, an expansion for villagers called Shifting Yeah, yeah. and then it went into Moon. So rapid success yeah. in each of those games. I mean, were funded very, very well. I mean, these those were big, yeah. big campaigns, right? So yeah, like eight, eight, eight or nine, eight, nine thousand backers, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So having kind of a consistent, you know, track record, you know, uh, on an annual basis like that, I think is has been. I mean, it's, it's great, right? Because they kind of build on each other, right? The people love the one game, then they see another game coming that's kind of part of the same genre, same artist, same designer, so forth. Then it, you know, you can bring a portion of those people with you in addition to new backers and so forth to bring on as well. Yes, right. And we and we, we did that kind of unusual box, like the, the sort of the, the deck box kind of thing. Yeah, the deck boxes, yeah. Which are this, it's, it, those games are a, a kind of a, a loose trilogy, this, this, this sort of charting human endeavor through the ages kind of thing yeah oh that's amazing and then so that led into uh your your most recent game uh wizards and co uh, yep. where did the idea of this game where did this game start um so after the villagers kickstarter had happened uh and i, I think i was just absolutely shell-shocked by the whole experience and i was like i'm a i'm a board game publisher now i can like go to designers and, and ask to see their games and, and yeah. offer to publish them right so I, I emailed a bunch of my favorite designers and um basically virginio and, and his motley crew said yes and gave me a game um but this was like sort of just about pre-pandemic it was it was pre having our first child and and, and those two things kind of really knocked me and and i i wasn't able to publish things at the rate that i had assumed I would, and so mm -hmm. this game has been a kind of bubbling away in the background for far too long. And I've been profusely apologising to the designers for how long it's taken us to get around to it. But um, anyway, it's here now. <laughs> you're a team of one, though, right? Like you're you're kind of a one man company. Uh, uh, more, more or less, yeah. My my, I, I have like people helping me part time. Yeah. So wife, a lot of us publishers, helps, as we do, they're generally in the hobby industry. Teams of one to three, usually kind of three is like a lot, like to be as yes. part of the core team, right? So it's usually one uh, person, maybe two, and then you bolt on your services as you need them by game, and then you get into the next game, yeah. and you bolt on different people and other other services and so forth. So your broader team is yeah. large, but the company itself is usually like a single individual or a couple individuals. Yes. Um, does that and and I know that the amount of time involved in publishing a game is 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 quite a lot, even if you're doing it full time. Mm -hmm. 
What yep. is your capacity? So I, when you said you didn't get to this out as fast as you wanted, is there a, like kind of a limit you said that you're kind of sitting at right now? Is it two games a year? Is it, is it one game a year? Like kind of what's your, your, your limit right now? Yeah. So we, 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 I've been kind of, you know, re- refining our, our processes and just figuring out what it's possible to do. And, and a yeah. lot of it's governed by my, my home life. Like my, my wife and I are raising a, uh, a little chap uh, on our own with not, not much support. And, and so that kind of takes a lot of our time sometimes. Um, so, but I think where, where we're at at the minute, I, I'm, hoping to do kind of one probably one kickstarter and one non-kickstarter a year and and if i can get things done efficiently enough then i'll possibly do two kickstarters but yeah so three a year would be a be a really heavy year for us it's it's a lot right and then when you say non-kickstarter what do you mean by that for those other people are listening so like you know traditional straight to retail straight into distribution um so we're we're lucky enough that we've got a really good uh, distribution setup. We have a big uh, warehouse in America, and we work through one of the larger distributors there. So, um, so we we can do that. And it's a case of me having figuring out like how to advertise for retail, how to sell to retail. Cause it's a it's a different game to, uh, to Kickstarter. Yeah, it's a different ball of wax altogether. Yeah, so with yeah. this game, Wizards and Co. So you've been kind of stewing on this now for uh, a few years, right? So since it villagers. Yeah. And then the decision to launch it this year, was it just, you finally got it ready? You finally had like the, the bandwidth or is that? Is... Yeah, because um, w- w- working with Hawken, so, so Hawken and I, um, and, until, well, no, I won't talk about contracts and things. Um, we, we have an agreement that we kind of, we've worked together and, and um, but, but it's not official. Uh, and, it, um, and so, until now we've gone kind of game to game like Hawkeye will come to me a few months after we finished the last one I go okay do you want to see my new game I'm like, yes I do <laughs> um so that's that's how uh, I've been doing it with him uh, and and it's basically I need to kind of look after Hawkeye and make sure he has releases coming through because it, this is his full-time job as well um so it's just kind of find trying to find gaps where I can do stuff that doesn't inconvenience him too much yeah um so for people that are that are watching or even listening, can you describe what Wizards and Co is about? And I'll do I'll show some things on screen here as you're talking, so they can kind of see some of the visuals. The visuals look really awesome. Um, cool. and, and I was looking through some of the reviewers too who to talk about this game, and and I mean everybody loved it, right? Like they 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 love kind of this. There's some take that elements to it, right? And uh, oh, it's, it, it's it's horrible, yeah. It's yeah, really yeah. So maybe you walk <laughs> us through kind of the the game just as an overview, <laughs> and then kind of the the basic mechanics of the game for those that are listening. Yeah, sure. So so in, in Wizards and Co, you are a, an awful greedy wizard who has hired a, a bunch of brutes and beasts to go and raid the the abandoned dungeons of a, of this dead necromancer. Um, and unfortunately, all your rivals have had the same idea, and and. So you've gone and hired, hired this gang of minions um, at a discount price, and everybody's gone for the same discount deal. So everybody's got the same minions. You've got a deck of 10 creature cards. Everybody has the same deck. So you're going to do awful things to each other, but the the kind of the saving grace of the game is that everybody can do the same awful things. So it's not like just getting beaten down by somebody with a better deck than you in, in a game of Magic in the Gathering. Um, you have exactly the same cards as them. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of different cards in the game, so each game can, can have a different mix of cards if you want it to. 
Um, so you have these uh, octagonal dungeon boards um, with entrances around them, and you're going to play your cards around the entrances um, until all the available entrances are full. And then when they're full, um, the, a battle will be resolved. And so you go around in, in clockwise order and resolve the effect of each creature. Um, and they're going to they're going to beat up on the creatures next to them. They might they might shoot a creature that's opposite them. Um, they might steal extra gems from the dungeon, things like this. And then once all that is resolved, um, the player with the highest strength value of their creatures in the dungeon is going to get their choice of one of two uh, super magical artifacts that are in that dungeon. Um, and artifacts do things like they might be equipment that you can use on your creatures for the rest of the game, or it might be a like a summoning spell that summons a monster, a new card that comes into your deck that's super powerful, um, or they might just give you points at the end of the game. Um, and then there are also, each dungeon has an enchantment on it. So there's a like a deck of enchantment tiles, which get when you set up each dungeon, um, you pop an enchantment tile on there, and that is going to change the rules for that dungeon. Um, so there's a lot of variability. Um, everything's always changing. But it is mostly open information. There's no randomness when there's no dice. Um, so it's, it's very, very kind of thinky, brain-burny kind of game. Uh, as mean as it is um <laughs> and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun um it has been compared to uh like libertalia because of the way that the creatures kind of resolve in order um kind of a little bit like smash up that you're you have a, like a choice of kind of bases if you like that you can you can attack um and, and it does remind me very much of um, Marvel Snap as well, which I think this predates Snap, so we should we should see them. <laughs> it looks uh, it looks cool, and I like this kind of uniqueness of the boards too. Where once you kind of clear a dungeon, I guess you then you can reverse the board, right? You flip it over, and then yeah. that that starts like a new dungeon, and it's a new kind of throwdown where everyone's going for the loot. Different right? like different layout on the B side, yeah. And you and so you're collecting as well as the artifacts, which give you points. Um, you're collecting these gems, which uh, is like a set collection thing at the end. But you you need to be careful about cursed gems because cursed gems are worth negative points. Um, the, the cursed gems work kind of like the um, skulls in the expansion for um, oh, what's the what's the D and D worker placement game? Um, Waterdeep. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be the, you don't want to be the one with the most. The and you guys have already funded, so congrats on that, right? So this thing is is well past its goal, double its its funding goal. So congrats! You still got seven days to go. Back in hockey stick, which we all know will you know uh, you know bring significantly more in in those last three days. Um, yep. As you've been going through this campaign um, and you kind of set your eyes on the future, where do you guys kind of go from here? Are you looking to build out more in this genre, or are you going to go back to kind of the streets, moons, trilogy? trilogy that kind of genre or do you have a different direction you guys are going all together um so i have i have another game um which again another one i signed i signed it during the pandemic actually when everybody was doing um solo games um and two-player games for all everybody that was kind of stuck at home with their partners um so we have a we have a, a one to two-player game um which has some lovely artwork by a well-known artist um which is waiting to get finished. Uh, I think there's just graphic design to do on that. Um, we haven't really announced it yet, but it's, that's another fancy themed one. Uh, but it's, it's just a really cool, quirky little game. Um, 
I have I signed a game at UK Games Expo, which again I haven't announced, but that's going to be kind of like a, a very small, compact kind of travel game. And then um, Hawk, and I, Hawk and, and I are doing uh, his first game that's kind of outside of that Villagers Street Smooth trilogy, and we're going to announce that all being well at the end of the Wizards and Co campaign. Hawk oh, is working amazing. on the um, the cover art for that now, so that we're going to show that at the end. Do you take submissions or is it usually like, how yeah. does your model work? Are you usually going out scouting or is it people coming to you and you're kind of waiting through? Cause you get a lot obviously. So, and you're waiting through the pile. Yeah, it's, we get, we quite get, I get quite a lot of submissions. Um, and I have, I, I've published one game uh, that we did last year, Honk, which um, recently won the origins award for best children's game. I saw nice. that one as well. Yeah. Um, so that one came out last year. Uh, that that was a kind of straight to retail, um, and uh, yeah. So that that one was done through the submission form on our website, um, and I've you know we've I've come close to signing some other ones, but again, you know, we, we're not prolific. Like I can't be just signing things willy nilly like I sort of did after Villagers. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of getting around to honouring those commitments now, um, and we're, so I I can be a lot more selective. It's tough. I find like uh, I got to a point where when we transitioned, because there's that transition from game designer to publisher, right? And you kind of fall into yep. the publishing side once you've kind of mm -hmm. published your own game, right? And, you know, I'll go to like I was at Gen Con recently and I was in the unpub room and, uh, you know, going through that room, I'm thinking I could sign that game. I could like, you'd see like three games yeah. and be like, man, that'd be, that'd, that you know, I like it enough. It's something I want. And you got to take that step back and say, okay, but I only have so much time. And so, you know, I got to be more disciplined at picking, okay, what are the ones that either A, I'm super passionate about, or B, I know is a game that's got the, the legs to, to do the big numbers, right? Because you're doing this full time yep. now. So you have to yep. deliver in order to pay the bills, right? So it's not as yeah, much passion right, right. projects anymore. It's sometimes it's, no. it's not sometimes now it's about the business, right? Yeah. You have to really consider the market and all that kind of thing, which is horrible. That's not what I got into this to do, but you have to. <laughs> and then what about game designing yourself? Is that bug still nibbling away at you? Going back yeah, it is. It is. It is. I've got like, I've got 10 or more games kind of, you know, in various stages of just note form. And there's a few prototypes kicking around. Yeah. So who knows, maybe one day, but. Yeah, and that's the part that's got to hit you in the chest too, right? Because that's, again, what brought you into the industry. And it's that whole kind of creative mode, right? That creative outlet, right? That just kind of taps that need that we all have. And when you have to start shelving that, because like, I know I got to allocate time over here because this is now my job. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a tough balance as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like everything that I've done prior to this has always been like, all about making things and, and just doing stuff myself. Like I'm, I'm a horrible employee. I really am. Cause I'm always trying to think up what my next hustle is going to be and, and how can I survive without having to work for somebody else? And that, and that's all this is. And this is the one that worked. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the dream. You're living the dream, right? That uh, so many yeah, of us have yeah. of, you know, not just doing this as a side hustle, but doing it as yeah. as a career, right? And doing it successfully. And and you guys certainly have been very successful. And I mean, just man, one hit after another. Like, gosh. Uh, yeah. You, but you yeah. you know you you have to you have to keep your feet on the ground. Um, you know, like Wizards and Co. has has 
I think it's going to be great, and I think it's going to do do well in retail. Like we've we've had some some good interest from um, sort of third party uh, non English language publishers. Some very well known publishers are, are yeah. sniffing around, which is really nice. Um, you know, it hasn't performed strong as strongly on Kickstarter as our other titles have. So you know, it just go proves that you you can't be complacent and and you have to be very careful financially and you know. yeah and i think too if you look at like kicks and I, I had this on a game as well where um you know my kickstarter funding was to was to pay for the to pay for the the production right mm -hmm. but the 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 market for the game i knew was going to be it was a card game right i knew retail was where that game was I was you know my consolidators and distributors you know i will move through all my inventory but the initial kickstarter was to help me get that that starting inventory and that's okay too and it's kind of like the split model where some games you're going to sell exclusively on Kickstarter and, you know, it might be at a price point that's too high for retail. So Kickstarter is kind of your core audience and that is your, your store. And then there's going to be other games where, you know, that the Kickstarter is used to help you kind of get that initial funding, right? So you're not out of pocket up front. Um, but then your, you know, your extended market is then your distribution distribution network and retailers and things like that. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, it, actually you, you reminded me talking about like the, the price of things on Kickstarter. I think one one of the things that that drove so many pledges on villages was was the price. So I think we did it for twenty two pounds or something, and that included oh, wow. a, an, an expansion. So what was that? That was like less than thirty dollars at the time, probably US. Um, and and you know, this so I think it was a great deal at that price, and that, and that was just through me being scared to charge too much for it, and and I should have charged more because we. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying we didn't make any money on it, but compared to to the rest of the games on the market, it it could stand to it could have stood to be more. Yeah, but I, for sure. But but then but then maybe it wouldn't have as many backers. You know, we'll never know. So, so with this particular game, if there's people that do want to check out, um, you know, Wizards and Co., uh, I think it looks super cool. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, so if anybody wants to find <laughs> it, click on it, check it out, uh, see if it's something that interests you. Certainly, if you're into take that play that are very thinky yeah. and uh and have kind of that wizardy magical theme uh this is certainly something we're checking out uh dave i want to wish you all the best in this coming year i can't wait to see what you guys uh, have coming next and uh hopefully when you launch your next game we'll get the get you back on the on the uh, podcast and we'll talk about that one as well uh that'd be a pleasure yeah thanks james yeah that'd be awesome. all right friend take care cheers cheers this has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.